Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jenikin. It's July Movie Club Month, which is the first and might maybe only time we're doing this. We don't know. Desi and I are on vacation for the month of July, but we didn't want to leave you all empty-handed. So we decided to do something a little bit different for this month. We will be recapping some of our favorite trash thriller movies yeah for the month of july hollywood crime scene the main main episodes that we whatever are regularly scheduled programming that'll be all back to normal in august yeah so we're not going anywhere for long but you will still get content for the month of july in case you haven't seen our social media posts or you missed the announcement on the end of george michael episode three We will be talking about four movies this month, starting with this week's movie, 1993's The Crush. The following week, we'll be talking about 2009's Obsessed. The week after that, 1987's Flowers in the Attic. And we will be concluding our July movie month with 2012's Liz and Dick. Love it. That's right. The Lindsay Lohan Lifetime movie <laughs> that I watched live when it aired. Oh, really? Oh, that was appointment TV for me. Yeah. It's incredible. We'll talk about it. Yeah. But for now, we are going to be discussing The Crush, a movie I have seen many times and was really into as a young kid, young girl. Yeah. It's definitely a type of movie, a certain type of young girl. Is very into. Thank you, Desi. You can just. Say, I include myself. You can just say slut if you want. Um, no, I love the crush because this is obviously one of my favorite genres of movies. Where I mean, this movie is essentially like Lolita mixed with Fatal Attraction, and they really uh, hit the Lolita aspect sometimes with certain imagery. Yeah, uh, for sure. And the poster, even. Yeah, the poster's great. It stars Alicia Silverstone in her first movie role, as well as Carrie Elwes, who I was a huge fan of as a kid. I still am a huge fan of his. I was obsessed with Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah. One of my favorite movies of all time. Obviously, The Princess Bride. That's great, too. But Robin Hood Men in Tights, that was my jam as, as a kid. So I love The Crush as well. Let's get into it. Here's how you know this is going to be a not great movie. I'm, and I mean not great by not quality. This is not a prestige <laughs> movie. is because it immediately opens in the middle of a song. Yeah. There is, this is like a TV movie opening to a movie. I, yeah, because it's like a guy driving, Will Carrie Ellis, and the song, I actually Googled it. 
I mean, not Google did uh, Shazam because I was like, what the fuck is it? Because it's like a very generic rock. That's what I wrote down. I said, this is the most aggressively <clears throat> generic alt rock song I've ever heard. It was a band I never heard of. What was it? I mean, I didn't write it down. So how do I check my, oh, it's Star Club. It was called Hard to Get. I'm sorry. I didn't like what it. What Star Club? I mean, have you heard of Star Club? I've never heard of no. them. Okay. So Carrie Elwes is driving in his convertible, listening to this music, and we learn throughout this opening montage that he's looking for apartments in what seems to be a new city that he's moving to. What's, do we find out what city this was? Honestly, it looks like Seattle. Yeah. I feel like a lot of movies in, in this time that were made in this time period were set in Seattle. Um, or it could have been Vancouver. Well, I'm sure it was filmed there, yeah. but I think the movie was set in Seattle. Because Yeah, I couldn't tell, though, because they kept saying neighborhoods and stuff. I was like, where's that? Also, there was a lot of, like, piers. Right, it's definitely, there's a city on the water, but then there's a suburb area yeah. where he finally gets an apartment. Right. So, suddenly, he's pulling into this new neighborhood when a rollerblader comes from out of nowhere and Carrie Elwes has to slam on the brakes to avoid hitting her. Surprise, it's Alicia Silverstone in short denim shorts and a little crop top, like a cropped white sleeveless blouse yeah. that were really popular in 1993, like the little eyelet yes. blouse. And she looks really great, and she sees Carrie Elwes in his convertible. He sees her. She's wearing her little cat-eye sunglasses, and she lowers them down and gives him a little smirk, and then mm. she rollerblades away. It's a very 90s meet-cute. Totally. <laughs> Finally... Carrie Elwes, who in this movie is named Nick, he rents a guest house. And this is a really sweet setup. This is like a pretty large guest house. Yeah. That is... Above a garage. Above a garage. The house that is like attached to the guest house or whatever on the same property is really big. It's like obviously this rich family lives there. This is a big step up to all the other apartments that we see him looking at. Right. In the rest of the movie, like he looks at a bunch of dumps. But this is like nice. It's in this like really cute neighborhood. And so he's pretty stoked to move in. Now we meet the landlord who is the woman who owns the property that he's renting. And surprise, it's the mother of Sexy Rollerblade Teen. Now, Sexy Rollerblade Teen, Alicia Silverstone. Her name is Adrian in this movie. Yes. One of our listeners pointed out, and I had to do a little bit of digging on this, pointed out on our Instagram today that the original character in this movie's name was Darian. But they had to change it to Adrian because a girl named Darian filed a lawsuit. Yeah. And the reason she filed a lawsuit is because the guy who wrote this movie based it on a real girl named Darian who was apparently had a crush on him Ooh. at some point when he lived in a guest house. But not as dramatic. It was none of the events. I'd like to believe that none of the events that happened in this movie went down. But she did file a lawsuit. So they had to change it like after the movie came out. Right. And to- then she said that you can still hear it on certain VHS copies. Yeah. Because they had to kind of overdub it, I guess. But all like subsequent releases 
We're fixed. We're fixed. So we see Adrian. She's writing in her diary when her friend Cheyenne approaches. Cheyenne is played by Amber Benson. And Cheyenne is clearly like the um, not as like sexy. She's like a little more tomboy yes. than Adrian. It's a classic uh, movie friendship. Right. It's like sort you have- of like less, like she's also just more her age. Right. right? Like, yeah. So Cheyenne agrees that she will go scope out the new tenant that her best friend's mom has just rented to because Adrian's like real curious. Like you need to go find out who this guy is living in the guest house. Cheyenne walks in. She just, everyone just walks into people's houses in this movie. It's crazy. Like, like even if his screen door is open or like closed, it's just the screen door. You still knock. Yeah. Right? Right. This like 14-year-old girl just walks into this strange man's house. It's crazy. And Nick is under the kitchen sink fixing it because, of course, he's very handy. He's Mm. handsome, he's single, and he's handy, Mm. ladies. And Cheyenne scopes him out, and she goes back to Adrian, and she goes, okay, he's kind of cool. But he's kind of old. No, he. She doesn't say he's kind of cool. I'm I was going to say I missed Wait, that. She does say he's kind of cool. I thought she said he's kind of old. She does say he's he's old. So she says both. He's very old. Okay. I think she says he's cool and he's old. Yeah. He's like thirty. He's twenty eight. He's even less. Yeah. He uh, he doesn't seem that old to me. But of course, when you're that age, that's just old enough. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So the next day, Nick is late for his first day of work, and we learned that he is a writer, and he just got hired as a writer for this magazine. We know he's a writer because he has an IBM computer that's like the little screen. <laughs> Sorry. Everybody had magazine jobs in the 90s. Oh, totally. In movies. Nobody has those jobs in movies anymore, probably because like there is no print writing. Well, yeah. And we always hear stories about how like I used to get paid $2500 for an article and now I get $250. Yes. for an article. Well, he yeah, he's in the the golden days though. Right. So he sits down next to an age-appropriate woman in his office, Bob haircut woman. Yeah. She's immediately horny for him. She's like, "Ooh, check out the fresh meat." Yeah. Coming into this office, she bites an apple seductively. Yeah. And she goes, new here? I can tell. Yeah. She's like, I'll show you the ropes and my pussy. (laughs) (laughs) We also meet Nick's snooty British boss, who I feel like this guy stumbled in from an entirely different movie. He seems like he should be like a movie about like a 16th century king. Yeah. Well, he's probably like a very famous Shakespeare actor, and we just didn't even know. Yeah. And he's like in this, he's like, I just need some money. I really think. And then I'm back at the old Vic. (laughs) I honestly think you're right. I think this guy is a classically trained actor from England, and he's done a lot of Shakespeare, but he got hired for this movie. Yeah. And they don't really care. They'll take the money. And why shouldn't they? As a character, he makes zero sense in this movie to me. He shouldn't play a big role at all. There's no reason we ever need to know him except for what we'll get you at the end. Yeah. Where it's just like, it's still unnecessary though. So right off the bat, Nick's first day of work, his boss wants him to get down to the bottom 
of this tough story. Like he's got to crack this story. You know, it's kind of like the C plot of this movie yeah. where it's like, we needed, we need you to talk to Levansky and everyone's like, Nick's like Levansky. No one's been able to figure out this guy or yeah, whatever. They just tell us. We don't actually see how hard it is. No. They just tell us it's hard. He's like, this is very di- going to yeah. be difficult and to this do. And this guy is like, um, not exactly a Madoff, but he's some kind of financial schemer who's a billionaire or something who has some hidden assets or something. Right. And they want Nick on his first day of the job. Because he's good at research. But he's not a good writer. No. That's what that, the So they just, they just tell us the plot points directly from the script. I kind of... Nick lo- Elliott... Great researcher, not a good writer. <laughs> Very handsome. Yeah, like, it's it's like the it's like they interchangeably used the script notes and as the dialogue as well. Right, and they're like, look, some people try to hide exposition. We're not going to do that. No. We're just going to say it and move on. I like it. Yeah, I like it for this kind of movie. So later that day, Adrian is standing by Nick as he's stripping the paint off of his convertible. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's yeah. like, oh, I'm fixing this baby up. He's yeah. handy. She's just hanging around. She's got nothing else to do. She, what is she, isn't she supposed to be in school? She's in, no. She's supposed to be, she's only supposed to be there flirting with him. <laughs> that's, her, that's her school. And she's laying it on thick already. This <clears throat> is like her first meeting him. Well, and they don't really. You're right, though. They don't say what her what's her deal. Is it summer break? Right. Like I, we don't know. She. We never see her in school. No, and she's always around, pretty much. Yeah. So she's wearing riding gear. So immediately we're like, all right, she's that kind of rich girl. She's a rich horse girl. She's a horse girl. Um, and she's immediately flirting with him. Later that night, Nick is working on his story. It's. Clearly very hot in his apartment. This place does not have central air. Adrian then appears. It is nighttime, by the way. And she appears in his doorway in a floral Eileen Fisher nightie. Yeah. Just standing there. It's like, it looks like it's like 11 p.m. at night. And she just wandered over from her house to the guest house. And it's like, hey. It's like it's just another room in her house. Right. Yeah. She's like, what are you doing? And he's hardly phased. He's suspiciously not phased enough. He's not like, whoa. Yeah, he... Look, a lot of this is his own fault. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he, I don't. He's a little loose at the beginning of this movie, and it's like, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So she's like, what are you working on? And he's like, oh, I'm working on this story about Levansky. Yeah, and she know? knows who he is. Yeah. Right. Because... <laughs> And she's laying it on thick. And he says to her, this is like big red flag, where he goes, are you sure you're only 14? Almost 15. (laughs) Yeah, she says almost 15. If you have to ask somebody, are you sure you're almost 14? That is like bad news. Also, you don't really say that to someone when you're alone in your apartment with them and they're in a nighty. Yeah. It's something you say when they're precocious at the piano recital and there's a lot of other adults around. Do you know what I mean? It's it's flirtatious, it's, I think. Yeah. I mean, that that has to be a very specific context that that would be remotely appropriate to ask Also, he's that. super uncomfortable in this moment, which is uncomfortable. Yeah. Because he's like, boom, like clearing his throat and like, it's like, dude, <laughs> calm down. Get your boner down. Like, 
Like, why are you so uncomfortable? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. To make it even worse, the very next day, Adrian drops by again, this time while Nick is in the shower. And she's just standing there in his house. And he knows she's there. Yeah. It's like, wouldn't you be like, uh, can you go? I'm right. taking a shower. <laughs> she like sits at a, on a chair right by the door of the bathroom that's cracked open. Yeah, the bathroom door is open. And normally people don't leave the, their bathroom door open and their front door open. Like I can imagine, like it would be weird to leave your front door open when you're taking a shower anyway, but especially if your front door is open for whatever reason, maybe it's that hot outside, I would think you'd be like, well, I better at least close the bathroom door. And once you knew a child was in there, you'd really shut it. He doesn't shut it. He continues talking to her through the bathroom door while he... Undresses. He's in a towel at first, shaving. And she's like, what are you doing in there? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm changing. And then we get a butt shot, a Carrie Elwes butt shot. And Very she, artful. It, and she sees it. There's two butt shots in this movie. His butt, it, they did such a great job. It's a nice butt. They framed it perfectly in the crack. It was... <laughs> <laughs> It was a great butt shot, in my opinion. She then has a gift that she wants to give to Nick. I mean, this is like her second day talking to him, and she already has a present for him. It's some new shades. The ones that clip on your glasses. Right. (laughs) Very 90s. It's very 90s. Oh, It's like, how did you know that they would fit? I mean, that was she must have like snuck into his apartment and And, measured them. And he goes, cool. She also notices that picture yes. during this scene. It's a picture of him and his grandfather when he's like a kid. And she's like, can I have that? <laughs> that is like, that is a deranged request. Have you ever asked for someone's personal childhood photo that they clearly love? It's so weird. That's like, that should be your first big red flag if if you still haven't gotten the message that it's weird that this 14-year-old girl is suddenly like barging into your house, at least get the message that this is a deranged personality when they're asking if they can have one of your most treasured fam- family heirlooms like it's nothing. Well, and normally we see this kind of thing where it's like an annoying 8-year-old boy like, "Hey, what you doing?" Right. But it's like definitely a different scene when it's this girl being flirtatious. Yeah. So then Adrian is like, are you going to come to my parents' party that night? And he's like, I'll try. I got, I got this work thing, though, but... And she's like, pretty please. Please, <laughs> please, please. Daddy. So then meanwhile, at the office later that morning, Bob Cut greets Nick. She's excited to see him. She, oh, wears, she's, she wants to nail this guy down. She wears a lot of tapered pants, blouses, and suspenders. Because she is an artsy girl. Yeah, she's artsy. She's the magazine photographer. <clears throat> so she's like hip and artsy and like from Seattle. Yeah. Um, Nick is concerned about his article that he wrote. But when the boss reads it, he's really impressed with it. Even though Nick was doubting himself, but the boss reads it and he's like, wow, this is actually really good. I'm surprised. We hired you even though you were a piece of shit writer. But doesn't he read it and he realizes something's wrong? We're going to get to that. Okay, sorry. Back at the guest house, Nick hears the music and chatter from... Oh, yeah, he does read it. Because he's like, wait, 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 something's wrong. 
That's what it is. Okay, so Nick re- Nick is concerned about his about his article because he realizes he's like I didn't write this. There's some things in it that he doesn't recognize. Yeah, like some things have been changed. But I guess he doesn't care that much. Back at the guest house later that night, Nick can hear the music and the chatter from next door. So he's like, I guess I'll throw on my best tan linen blazer yeah. and a pair of jeans and head over to this party. He loves jeans with blazers. Yeah, he <laughs> was that type of guy. And he goes over next door to Adrian's family's house and he's like wading through this sea of very wealthy wasps. There's a big wasp presence in this movie. Yeah, I was really looking at all the women's outfits. Yeah, like the late... Okay, so like everyone seems like pretty conservatively dressed, but then there's this one woman at the party who's wearing like a gold brocade bustier. The one who had the plastic surgery? Yeah. Yeah. So like when Nick meets Adrian's parents at the party, like he's introduced to the dad because he hasn't met the dad yet and he's played by that guy. Kurt Wood Smith. Yeah, from that 70s show, among a million other things. Yeah. Um, and he meets the dad and immediately the parents in front of Nick just start talking shit about this other guest who I swear to God is an earshot of them. Yeah, like, she's like four feet away. She's like four feet away from them and they're like, ugh, this lady and her fake tits. Yeah. Look at her face. It looks like shit. Yeah. And just dragging her. Oh, nice to meet you, Nick. Yeah. We're nice people. Yeah, they do this in front of someone they literally they just tenant. Yeah. <laughs> so so then suddenly Nick hears this piano music that's playing at the party. He's just he's like in a trance. He's in a trance from this music and he's following where's this beautiful concerto coming from? Surprise, it's Adrian. She's also like an expert pianist. An expert. She's she's playing a very complicated piece. I was like really focused on this because you could tell they were never showing you her hands. Here's the thing. You know how like certain people say nowadays, and I totally understand what they mean, like, oh, Dakota Johnson doesn't have iPhone face. Right. Or no, Dakota Dakota Johnson has iPhone face. Right, right, right. Like she, she can't, can't play a period. Or, she can't do, be in a period movie because her face, because her face looks like she's seen an iPhone before. Yes, Alicia Silverstone does not have piano concerto hands. No, and that's not a dig on her hands. I just don't. I just don't buy that this character or Alicia Silverstone is a concert pianist. But obviously, it's meant to show that this character is like, oh, she's beautiful and she's really talented. Well. And I just love the way, because she did have to emulate piano playing yeah. on her upper body without showing the hands. Yeah. And I was like, that must be really hard to act, because I would feel very stupid. Me too. I'd be so <laughs> embarrassed. Because I'm like, am I, am I moving back and forth too much? Like, And I'd want to get like some semblance of like where the key, like where what part of yes. the piano my hands are supposed to be at. She did a very basic job, which I think was smart. Do you have to work with like a piano choreographer when you do that in movies? I wouldn't doubt that you have to at least watch some tapes. Like what was that movie that was really popular in the mid-90s that won all the Oscars, Shine? Oh, yeah. Did with, that uh, guy know how to Jeffrey play? Jeffrey whatever. Jeffrey Rush. Rush? Yeah. Did he know how to play the piano like that? I mean, those guys get really intense, I think, into training. Did he learn Flight of the Bumblebee? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's been yeah. months. That's the type of thing where you're like, I spent seven months alone. 
learning how to play Flight of the Bumblebee. That's the only thing I know how to play on piano, but they know it perfectly. Right. I might do that for an Oscar bait role. Oh, yeah. I can picture you <laughs> learning how to play Flight of the I did know how to play the piano at one point. I did take piano lessons as a kid, and I could play a mean The Entertainer. Oh, yeah. That's a classic. That was my favorite to play. Who doesn't love playing The Entertainer on the piano? I can play piano. Not like very well. See? I could pick it up. Desi knows chopsticks. I could do, um, I know some very basic classical music, but I don't do all the fancy parts. Right. I just do basic versions. Yeah. So I I could do it. So call me. (laughs) Nordstrom, call me. I'll play the piano downstairs (laughs) in the shoe department. Just want like a 15%, 25% discount. (laughs) Sick. Should we take a quick break here? Yeah, let's take a break. Okay. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates, go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. So after 
Adrian finishes her piano piece. Nick follows her out into the garden. And she says to him, I knew you'd come. (laughs) And then Nick says, if you were 10 years older, and she goes, you'd what? When he said that, I was like, Nick, that is disgusting. He's not helping his case here. And this is like, this is the green light she needed. Yeah. Right? Like, because she's been wanting something from him that sort of reciprocated her crush. And you know, when you have a crush at that age, I'm not saying it's an older man usually, sometimes (laughs) you're like looking for any sign that they're kind of connecting with you. Yeah. Even though they don't want to. Like, that's a win for yeah. her. This is like, this is bad. This is bad because at this point, he's flirting, he's flirting back with her. Yeah. So then she reveals to him that she snuck into his apartment and rewrote his article. That was just crazy. And that's why it was different. That's yeah. why there was like changes. And he gets mad about this. He's like, Adrian, you can't just do that. But secretly, he was like, but thank you yeah, for making it better. My, <laughs> my British boss loved it. So then she's like, Nick, will you take me for a ride in the Valiant? Which I guess is like... The car. The name of his car. And she's like, there's a place I want to show you. It's yeah. Like, I really want to show you. That. And, and Nick just agrees to give a ride to a 14-year-old girl in the middle of the night to a quote place I want to show you. Also like the parents. Yeah, like he like has, she's 14. She's yeah. not like 17 or 18 where she might just run out of the house. Yeah, she's like a, she's very young and he's just like, "Okay, I'll just t- virtual stranger just take you in my car." And your parents won't even be like, "Where's our daughter?" The parents are so not involved in this child's life. No, they're too busy making fun of the fake tit woman to notice. They're but at this point they're like, ah, ha, ha, ha. "Right." And they don't even notice their daughter's gone. And that's how dangerous body shaming is. Yes. Is like then look what happens the to unintended your daughter. Consequences. These are the unintended consequences of that. So Nick relents and he agrees to take her out in his Valiant. And they end up at a lighthouse and it's like this very romantic spot with all the like city, there's like a view, like this vista of the city. And they go into this little like area. It's kind of below. Yeah. But you can like, see the water. Yeah. Through it. Yeah. Yeah. They're like in a little vestibule. I don't know what, what alcove. What, <laughs> what, what would you call that? I don't know building shapes. I don't know what it was. It seemed like a lower level of the lighthouse that had like a bay window, like a window. There was a window. That you, like an open window that you could look through and see the water and all the lights, et cetera. Yeah. At this moment, Adrian decides this is when she's going to open up to Nick. And she starts talking to him like, it's really hard for me to make friends because I'm so smart. I skipped, a gr- I skipped two grades. My parents made me. So I don't have any friends except for Cheyenne, which she has to be my friend because her parents made her. Yeah. And she's like giving him this whole sob story about like how lonely she is, but also like how smart she is. And she goes, it's like everyone thinks I'm some kind of freak, like I'm crazy. Hmm. And then immediately after she says that, she grabs Nick's hands and she kisses his fingers. That was very, he should have ran. He sh- immediately he should have ran as soon as she kissed his fingertips, but instead he leans in and they have a kiss. Yeah. But then like 
way too long after he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, I was like, wait, I was like, you know, how do you, I'm sorry, how do you kiss someone accidentally and snap out of it? Like, wait, what am I doing? It was like, it wasn't even a snap out of it after like a split second. It was like 10 seconds. It was, yeah, it was way too long. We're like, no, that doesn't happen. He kissed her. He tongue kissed her. A 14-year-old. A 14-year-old girl at a lighthouse. She's not that smart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just because she skipped two grades doesn't make her 18. Exactly. See, he was doing the math in his head, and he's like, well, technically... Yeah. Technically, she's like 11th grade. Yeah, technically, the school (laughs) says she's 17, right? Oh, my God. That was his rationale at this moment. So... Um, the next scene immediately we see Nick back at his guest house and he's pouring like the largest glass of vodka. Yeah. Then he's got to chug that shit cause he just made out with a 14 year old. He's got to be stressed. Um, it's like, yeah, dude, you fucked up. It's you, so awful. You better chug that vodka. Meanwhile, Adrian is like the exact opposite. She's like very proud of herself. She's, we see her in bed and she's smiling. Oh, she's totally one. I know this feeling. It's great. Yeah. When you finally convince someone that your crush. Yeah. To accept yeah. your crush is uh, with a guy twice your age. She's not thinking about it. She's in her head right now. She's like, age is just a number. Right. And you know what? Maybe that's okay for a 14 year old to think because they're kids. Oh, totally. And they're like. It's they, on him. And there's they he's don't the bad. they don't know better, but he's like <laughs> almost thirty. There's a reason he's drinking. Right. And she's very proud of herself. Yeah, she's very proud. So the next day, Nick is working and we hear this incredible song called Taste That coming through from the outside. Yes. This song I've I've only ever heard this song in the movie before, but the incredible thing about this song is how like Throughout the entire song, it's just like, uh, uh, like it's supposed to be like a horny song. This song has no subtlety. I mean, this movie has no subtlety. I feel like that was a very popular thing in songs in the 90s. You'd hear a lot of like porno moans in songs that you don't hear as much today. Well, especially in bad movies. Yeah. They, don't, they like to use those songs that you've never heard of. To push plot points. <laughs> <laughs> right. And this and this is supposed to be like, this is going to be a sexy scene. Yeah. So we're going to play this uh, music. And this is like where Nick starts doing his, he gets a new habit. He starts peeking through his blinds. It's never a good sign when you've started to peek through the blinds. You're, not, you're up to no good. If you're peeking through the blinds, it means one of two things. It means you're a pervert or you have a meth addiction. And <laughs> you're paranoid. And I know from experience. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> no. Just one, Desi. And it's not the pervert. But I know from <laughs> a certain amount of psychosis I had experienced in my younger days. Yeah. Well, Nick's not on meth. <laughs> he's he so he's by deduction, he's obviously in the pervert category here. He's peeking through the blinds and look who's outside. It's Adrian. She's wearing a bikini sunbathing and she's clearly doing it below his window. Very blatant. A blatant move when you're trying to show off for the older guy who lives in your parents' guest house. Yeah. Later, Adrian sees Nick talking to Amy, who's sassy Bob haircut lady from work. 
And Adrian looks fucking crushed. She's pissed off. Oh, yeah. That he's talking to this woman who's obviously age appropriate. Yes. But that he's talking to any woman at all. And then they're having a barbecue at the house. Like at Adrian's parents' house, there's this giant barbecue and the boss is invited for some reason. I feel like Nick was having a barbecue for his work people. But why would he be having it at the parents' house? That's what I was... I was confused. This barbecue was confounding. But Nick's uh, boss showed up with very expensive wine and everyone laughed at him. Why was the boss at this barbecue? He was invited. I think he was invited and they didn't think he was going to (laughs) come. And then he showed up with like a $400 bottle of wine. I just have so many questions about this because was Nick, did Nick ask Adrian's parents, hey, can I host a barbecue from all my work friends at your house? Yeah. Because it was in their garden. Yeah. And it was, I was like, is this Nick's barbecue? Because it was confusing for a bit, right? I was like, whose barbecue is this? And then I thought, is this just a barbecue Adrian's parents are having, but they also happen to know the boss like because they're rich? Nick had a barbecue (laughs) in his guest house, the yard in between the guest house (laughs) and the main house. Right? How much does this guest house cost to rent? I mean, that is a huge yard. It was nice. It was (laughs) nice. So, yeah, the boss shows up and everyone's dunking on him because he's wearing a suit. He's like, who wears a suit to a barbecue? And he brings, yeah, he brings like a $400 bottle of wine. I felt bad for him. I did too. Everyone was being rude to him. And then he leaves because he's clearly embarrassed. Yeah. Um, so, meanwhile, a little bit later, Amy, Amy Bob Haircut is gathering sticks nearby. Okay. Because I thought Nick said to her, go get steaks. And I was like, why is she going into the forest? (laughs) She's going to forage. I was so confused. And I was like, oh, sticks for the marshmallows. Okay. Okay. First of all, why are they next to a forest? I was going to say, how big is this fucking property? Because they live on the edge of a forest Right. It looks like regular suburbia from the street. Where she was, you couldn't hear the party anymore. So it seemed pretty far. Like Right. But like from the street view, it just looks like regular suburbia. Yeah. But then they're like, like the house is like a butted. Or maybe all the houses are like up against some big woodsy area. It looked like an enchanted forest. Yeah. Like this... This was ridiculous. Oh, and by the way, it, this scene was so funny to me because you could tell that it was shot when they were losing the light. Yes. And they needed to get this last fucking scene yeah. done. And they're like, come on, we're losing the light. Yeah. It's it's 720. Stop method acting with those stick findings. We got to go. We got to get this shot. This is costing a lot of money. And yeah. they just had to get it, even though they knew it was going to look like shit. We already blew our budget on that British actor coming in. <laughs> We need to fucking get this done. So she's gathering sticks in the forest when surpri- surprise Adrian shows up and surprises her. Out of the dusk. Yeah, she <laughs> just like pops out out of nowhere like the Blair Witch and Adrian and Amy is like, oh, hi, Adrian. Yeah. She's, she's a little spooked. And Amy has noticed that there's a bees, like a beehive <laughs> nearby. And, and Amy's like, oh, the bees. Are, and and Adrian then proceeds to give her this speech. She's yeah. like, actually, those are wasps. They're yellow jackets. <laughs> yeah, she gives like this very dramatic scientific speech. Yeah, she studied them. 
about like the difference between bees. They're social. They're social bugs. <laughs> they're social meaning, but they're only social with each other, meaning that they attack in a group. Yeah. She knows a lot of sinister am- information. Yeah. It's like, okay, zoo books. Can you imagine Amy? She's like, okay, I'm just here getting sticks, bitch. Like, <laughs> For your fucking Keep your creepy fucking bug s'mores. shit to yourself. Um, <laughs> do people even do s'mores at a barbecue? <clears throat> I mean... I would. I'm sorry. I just continually have questions about this barbecue. The barbecue is weird because it just seemed like set up. It's like, are they going to, when the parents come home, is he going to shut it down real quick? Right. <laughs> like, do they know? I like how we're both stuck on like, <laughs> did he ask permission? As if we ever care about that stuff. <laughs> I need to know. So back at the barbecue, Adrian is talking, still talking to Amy and she points out, I mean, by the way, when they're back at the barbecue, it's like daylight again. It's not, yeah, it's not suddenly. The sun came back. The out. sun, it's like 2 p.m. and not 7.53 p.m. Right. Uh, so back there, Adrian points out to Amy, she goes, oh, look, Nick's talking to that girl. Because Nick's like talking to another coworker. Right. Who's she's a woman. like, she's so beautiful. And, and Adrian, and Amy, who is like a grown ass woman, is like actually getting jealous at what a 14-year-old idiot is saying to her. Yeah. And she's like, I guess if you're into that kind of thing. And that's when Adrian comes back with a really sick burn. She says, so don't worry, Amy. Some guys really like girls with small breasts. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a... It's especially a sick burn for a 14-year-old who doesn't really have big boobs. Yeah, because you think when you're that age, like especially when you were that age in the 90s that like big boobs were everything and if you didn't have big Are like tits, small small boobs were like embarrassing? Yeah. It's I, crazy. I was called flat chested all the time. That's like not a thing anymore it seems. Yeah. Thank, right? Thank God people are at least like a little more like body positive now. Yeah. Or that they just recognize that all all different types are fine in their own way. Yeah, what's um, why are you complaining about any kind of tit? Yeah. All tits are good. So anyway, but this really gets to Amy. She really got owned hard mm-hmm. by that's why this scene is funny, is because Amy is like very She's yeah. Upset. She's chuffed. She's no chuffed, <laughs> that's the opposite. Oh, okay. It is? <laughs> yes. It sounds like you're mad because you're huffing and you're chuffing. No, <laughs> No, chuffed means like, oh, I'm over, I'm happy about that. Oh, okay. Like, I'm, I'm chuffed. Okay. That's really funny. So, Amy says to Nick, what's up with Adrian? And to be fair, I would ask that too. I'd be like, but I would be more in a like, dude, what's... What the fuck with the yellow jacket? What's, like, I'd be like, what's her story? Yeah. I would want to know everything. Oh, absolutely. Everything about her, to be fair. But she's like really bothered by this comment. And then she says to Nick, she gives me the creeps. Mm. Later, Nick plays his voicemail. And of course, Adrian has already left a voicemail for him, even though she just saw him at her barbecue. And... Then she calls again and she's like, miss me? Um, Later on, she's sunbathing again. But she also, Amy also said to Nick, she's got a crush on you. Oh, yeah. And then the voicemail came in because he's like, no, she doesn't. And then the voicemail came in. She's like, hi, I miss you. (laughs) And she's like, "Uh, thank you, script, for proving my point. Right, right on time. (laughs) Right. So... I mean, it's also insane. I guess Nick maybe was acting like he didn't know 
that she had a crush? Because right. clearly he has to know. Uh, they made out at the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. Obviously he knows. So later, Adrian is sunbathing again in a pink one piece. And we get a little scene of that. Yeah. I guess. Um, then we get another voicemail, which is like the most deranged voicemail that she's left so far. Because this voicemail, she says to Nick, guess what? Got my period. I'm definitely not pregnant. To me, that is like a psychological mindfuck of a voicemail to leave someone when you know for a fact you didn't fuck them. It's also just creepy to tell him (laughs) that you got your period. (laughs) Right. I was like, did she just get it for the first time? Do you know what I mean? It was like weird. It is a demented voicemail that she left him. So later he sees her, he sees Adrian, and he asks her, hey, did you take that picture from my desk? Right. The picture's missing. His beloved childhood photo of him and his grandfather, his family heirloom is missing, and, and he's convinced Adrian had to take that picture. And she denies it. She's like, yeah. She's like, no, well, obviously she took it. Who else would have? Who else At the barbecue? <laughs> yeah, someone from the barbecue broke in, and that's the only thing they stole. So he then later on just like like I said before earlier in this episode that like people just walk into people's houses. He later just goes over to her house to look for the to, picture. To look for the picture, but he just walks in. Yeah. The parents are never there. <laughs> the parents are never home. I don't know what kind of job these people have. They probably work for the president or something. Yeah. Um so he then, like, he snoops around for the picture in the living room, and then he goes upstairs, and he goes into her bedroom, and it's very floral, and there's a lot of white wicker. Yes. And he's, like, snooping around this teenage girl's bedrooms. At one point, he goes over to her desk, and he sees all these, like, bugs, like, not, like, crawling around, but, like, science experiment yes. bugs. Like, like, a pinned beetle. Yeah. And, like... I don't know. I feel like they tried to make this look very sciencey, but it wasn't like a very clean surface to work with this stuff. Well, and it was just like a weird contrast to the girly horse girl room. Yeah. Yeah. So then he looks under her bed, but he doesn't like crouch down. He just looks down at the floor and he can see a pair of her panties. Mm-hmm. And he does this gross thing where he like steps on the panties and pulls them out with his foot. Yeah, that was really. <laughs> <laughs> there was something so vulgar about that. And then he kind of pushes them. Yeah, and then he, he like he like gets a look, and he looks at them for a little too long. Like, no, that's not the picture of me and my grandfather. Is it? Is it under there? Maybe. <laughs> Is that the picture? There's no. Something about him touching it with his toes. <laughs> yeah, the fact I don't know what it, it would have been less gross if he picked it up with his hands, but the fact that he stepped on them, it was really weird. For some reason, it just seemed really perverted. There's also something really gross about her room being absolutely immaculate and spotless, except for this one pair of panties under the bed. So you know they're dirty. (laughs) 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 So surprise, he hears Adrian. She's actually home. So he runs and hides in a closet. Mm. Luckily it has uh, slats. Yeah, he loves those. (laughs) (laughs) 
He loves those blinds. He loves it if there's slats or blinds that he can look through. Yeah. So he runs to the nearest door that he can hide behind that has slats. And he's hiding in the closet. And surprise, she's getting ready to take a bath. So he just decides instead of turning around and like burying his head in his hands in shame. Yeah. He just watches her get undressed. And Adrian, she's a smart cookie. She knows he's in there. Well, hey, doesn't his head also hit the hangers? <laughs> yeah, he's he, making noise in there. He's like eating he's chips like, in there. And he <laughs> hits all the hangers with his head. Yeah. <laughs> he's such an idiot. He's such a fucking idiot. Um, so she knows he's in there. This is a sick scene. This is so sick. She starts undressing and... We get another butt shot, the second butt shot, and it's Alicia Silverstone's butt. She's, Do you think it was? What, oh, that's a good point. I hope it was. That wasn't. was one thing I was thinking in this movie. I was like, is this legal? Because right. she was underage. She was like 15 when they made but this But they're movie. like kissing. So I don't think that was her nude body because that probably is illegal, right? It must have been Maybe. a body double. I hope it was a body double. Um. I mean, when you're watching this movie, obviously you're seeing the characters, you're like, this is wrong. But you're like, wait a minute, that's actually a real girl who was a teenager. Right. And he's, you know, whatever age he was. Um, Because I think that when the movie came out, she was 17. No. So when it was being filmed. You're right. It, right. When she was, it was being filmed, she was 16 or maybe younger. You're right. Was, yeah. Yeah. She was like 16 when they made this movie. <clears throat> um, so yeah, he's just staring at her naked butt. And then... She has this smile you can see across her face because she knows he's in there. So she tur- and she also yeah she turns around. So she turns around and she kind of makes like a face and just shows her tits to him. And she stands there a very long time, and he does not move. For he moved before she was there. Now he won't move at all. It's he, like just move at this point, right? Yeah, or cover your eyes. Just be like, I'm sorry, I have to go. Yeah. He doesn't. He waits for her to get in the bath, and then he sneaks out as if she didn't know he was there. Sorry. But, when, but when he gets downstairs, he runs into the dad at the oh, door. Right. And this dad, this is again, these parents are such fucking clueless idiots. The dad is just like, doesn't even ask what the hell this grown man is doing inside their house while their daughter is home. Also, why was he leaving through the front door? <laughs> Nick. <laughs> He's so right? stupid. Because the dad's coming through the front door. And for some reason, Nick, who lives in the back, was leaving through the front door. I guess that's the only entrance he knew how to get through. But he, always, he came in through the glass doors in the back. Oh, yeah. But maybe he was like, I'm out of here. And he was like, I'll just go here. He had such a big boner that he he just lost all the blood in his brain. Yeah. It was all in his dick. Well, and it, and, it, and, it, and it, it, he got fucked for that stupidity. Right. Because he ran into the dad. He runs into the dad who's carrying all these like grocery bags, but it's not full of groceries. It's like full of stuff from Ace Hardware or something. And... The dad is just like, oh, hello, Nick. Hey. And Nick is like so stupid. He he says, oh, I was borrowing a book from Adrian. And the dad. Your 14-year-old daughter. Yeah. And the dad's basically like, I don't care if you were fucking her. Let's go no. up to the attic. This dad does, is not in the loop. No. He is not a very savvy individual. He is not. He bought it. He, he totally bought it hook, line, and sinker that he just was borrowing a book. So they go up to the attic and... We get up to the attic, he turns on the light, and there's a fucking full-size giant carousel in the attic. I mean, this is you insane. knew it was trouble, because the first thing we see in the attic is a very creepy painting oh, yeah, the of kid. Adrian, yeah. I think, <laughs> the as a kid. Little kid I was painting. like, I want that painting. Yeah, it was cute. Then you see more, 
It's first of all, I like in movies where people everything in their attic is haunted. Right. I was like, I don't have anything in my attic. This uh, this attic is full of everything that looks like from a haunted movie set. Right. Like there's always a creepy child painting. There's always a rocking chair. There's mm. always a a, a metal bird cage. There's some old doll type things. Yeah, there's dolls. And um, then if you want to be really insane, you're like this family and you have a full-sized carousel, a working carousel in your attic. And his explanation for why that is is, is deranged. It, it's, it, it doesn't make you feel any less crazy. Because about, it makes zero sense. He says, according to him... He built this carousel for Adrian because he wanted to use this attic, which I'm sure has a bunch of exposed nails in the floorboards. Like he didn't even think to finish the floors before installing this carousel. No no thought. He wanted to make this a playroom. I'm just saying the logistics of this are nuts to me. It it doesn't look like a playroom at all. It's, the play making it safe to be a playroom was your first step. There is before you bring a full size carousel up there. There is black mold. In this attic, absolutely, there is like termites, cockroaches, we- cobwebs. There's ghosts. like powdered rat poop that you can inhale. Anthrax, and get some kind of <laughs> asbestos. Yeah. I mean, we don't like this. Is not a kid safe place, but this fucking idiot dad is like, oh, I just decided to build this fucking carousel for my daughter, and turns out she didn't want to play. Yeah, no. And shit. he also brought it up piece by piece. He bought it, and then he said, "No, I don't know how to get the damn thing down." I was like, "Well, what was your plan?" <laughs> You're not going to get a a carousel down that little attic ladder. (laughs) (laughs) And like also, no shit your six-year-old daughter doesn't want to play on the demented, deranged, haunted carousel that's in your attic. Well, (laughs) second of all, why would she want to climb up that little staircase? It's not even like a staircase. It's the kind that pulls down from the ceiling. Like you're not going to climb up that rickety old ass ladder every day it's like it needs to be a more official entryway like a real staircase right because it's like i'm not gonna pull down that little string on the ceiling and drop the ladder down for a six-year-old to climb up that rickety ass ladder and then you have to go back and get them later it's so stupid and i don't even know how he got one of those horses (laughs) up through that hole (laughs) where that ladder was because it's so small or like the top of the carousel, like the roof, like what? Well, like, lid. is he saying he brought it up one plank at a time? Like, it looked like just one piece. It's crazy. I, None of it makes sense because it, it's not possible for anyone to bring a carousel up through that hole. <laughs> it's just not possible. If they, if this writer of this movie wanted a carousel to be in this story so fucking badly, he should have put it. In, Maybe in a basement or a playroom on the main floor. A playroom on the main. Like it doesn't. Floor. It could just be a room. It doesn't have to be the attic, right? Something with a door big enough to fit those horses through. And even then, it would be stupid. It would still be dumb. Absolutely. To, to own your own carousel, a and b, own your own carousel, and or put how it in about your house. this? It's being refinished in the garage, and he's right. had it there. That would be fine. That makes sense. We're not always stupid. Seriously. It's being refinished in the garage and it's just he, he can't get rid of it and the wife's like, sell it, yeah. Carl. She never used it, I told Cliff, you. Cliff, I think that's his name, Cliff. So um, he turns on the carousel. 
And he's like, see, it plays creepy music. And it lights up and the horses start dancing moves and it's like swirling around yeah. playing like the scariest music you've ever heard in your entire it's life. it's like warped. It's like dang, dang, you know. Yeah. It's like in a horror movie <laughs> where you're about to get killed by a doll. Right. <laughs> so um, then he gives Nick a very weird pep talk about his daughter. Mm. This was... I don't want to hear two men ever talking about a 14-year-old this way. This was like... This was a disgusting conversation. He says, you know, Nick, Adrian is a very special girl. Like he's... As if he's talking to her prom date. Yeah. That's the kind of talk he's giving. He says, this past year, she's really blossomed physically. Gross. (laughs) Her dad says that. The dad says that. And Nick is, of course, like loosening his tie and coughing. In no way is this a normal conversation. I mean, that's where Nick really sells himself out. He always does that. Like he did it in the other conversation where he's like, like you said, the loosening of the tie. (laughs) He gets so uncomfortable when talking about her sexuality. It's like, you're attracted to this child, Right. right? Like. And and the dad, it just this just seems like a very weird conversation for a dad to be having, especially totally. with a stranger. So then Adrian appears, and she's in a bathrobe. And she appears in the attic. She's yeah. like silently walked up there, and she then says, "Like, hey guys." And the dad goes, "Oh, Adrian, what book did you?" Why? What? Why was he? Why would he ask that? He wouldn't ask that. No. He said, "What book did you lend Nick?" And she gives a very long pause, and we can see Nick's face, and he's just like sweating bullets. Like, yeah. come on, play along, play along, play along. And finally, she says, "Oh, it must have been Wuthering Heights." Yeah. And then the dad responds, "Wuthering Heights sounds a little femme to me." <laughs> the dad sucks. Also, she had a Wuthering Heights poster in her room. Did you see that? She's obsessed with that book. So later, Nick confronts Adrian while she's on a swing set because they really need to like punch up the Lolita aspect of this. And he, he needs to talk to her. And he explains to her, he's like, I really like you, Adrian, as a friend. Mm. And he's like, You're 14, I'm 28. We have to just be friends. It sounds like he's like really giving this speech to himself. He saw, yeah, and he's also really setting a boundary. Finally, he's finally setting a hard boundary with her, and that's when she reminds him, "Well, we kissed at the lighthouse, and then you snuck in to watch me undress." So, is that friends? Is that what friends do? She's got you there. Yeah. So she she keeps pushing him, and she says, "Nick, ever do a virgin?" Does that mean fuck a virgin? Yeah. Okay. Ever do a virgin? I heard that line and I was like, what did she say? I thought it was ever do a virgin, but it's kind of a weird way of saying it. She, he, I mean, look, he's, he's terrified at this point. The next day, Nick brings Amy to this like parking lot and he's going to show her his new fixed up car and his, his car is underneath like that. Tarp. The tarp that you put a car underneath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> car covering. And he's like, oh, like, look at my new car. And he and he pulls the tarp off the car, and we see it's shining bright red. 
And then they walk around to the hood, and he's horrified by what he sees on the hood of his car that he's just fixed up. It says, cocksucker. I laughed. I gasped. It's it's a very funny thing to write on I, someone's car. <laughs> I had forgotten what she had written on the hood of the car, but that is like a bold statement. It's And it's also, it's not even like a small scratching of it. It is oh. like this... She must have scratched this with a machete. I mean, it was giant, and it was across the... It was in- perfectly written, too. It looked like an album cover. Yeah, it looked like uh, somebody like typed it, like it was a font. Like, it yeah. was perfectly etched in huge letters. Well, because usually when someone vandalizes a car, it's difficult to see what they wrote. It's, you can yeah. kind of figure it out at some point. It looks like shit. But this was, like, perfectly staged and written. And oh, the, yeah. the letters were really thick, too. Yeah. Like they were yeah. thick enough that you could see it from several feet away. Yeah. It was perfectly it said done. cocksucker across the entire hood of his car. And Nick is like furious. I mean, that that's embarrassing. You're showing your new car to your... Oh, yeah. And you got owned to Amy by a from work. <laughs> and it says cocksucker on it. So the next day we see Nick taping cardboard over the cocksucker. That was brilliant. That was- I loved seeing that huge rectangle because yeah. the word was so big. So now he has literally a huge piece of cardboard. <laughs> it looks like, you know, like the circle with the slash that's like, yes. no, yes. that's how big it was. It literally is diagonally across the whole hood the of, whole- of a massive vintage car. So this is a large hood yeah. too. Yeah, oh my God, massive. it looked like absolute shit. I would have just left the cocksucker, quite frankly. <laughs> Be like, yeah, this is the cocksucker car. Yeah, this is car. the cocksucker car, yeah. The cocksucker mobile. Yeah, I'm getting fire put on in the sides, too. <laughs> this was intentional. You have, meant- you have flames coming out of the words. Yeah. <laughs> cocksucker. So then, as he's taping up his car, Cheyenne rolls by. There's just kids just, like, wandering free in this neighborhood, not in school. Um, And she's, like... I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you about Adrian. Can you meet me in the orchard? Where's the orchard? I was like, what orchard? What is this town, Desi? I don't know. What is going what is this neighborhood? Mm-mm. There's but the, an But then we see like the curtain too that yeah. fa- that closes. So we yeah. know we, Adrian saw. Yeah, Adrian saw her best friend Cheyenne approaching Nick, which I don't know why she did this like right in front of Adrian's house. Or or how Adrian managed to hear exactly what was said cuz she's up high in the house, right? I think she, yeah, I think maybe she just was like, "Oh, they're talking at all." That's but then bad. she knew the meeting location later. Right? No. Oh. So yeah. she must have somehow heard but I mean, maybe she makes bugged sense. Nick's car, right? So I don't know why she, I don't know why Nick agrees to meet another teenage girl in an orchard. I would have just been like, "Tell me now." Yeah, I'm there's not, no reason to wait. I'm not meeting you in an orchard at yeah. dusk. Can we go meet your like 14. Starbucks, right? Yeah, we're in Seattle. There's yeah, there's gotta be can, a coffee. place. We can go to the OG Starbucks right now. So Adrian. Sees them talking, so she hates that. Then later on that day, they're at the stables. Adrian and Cheyenne are at the stables. And Adrian's like, I'll finish up your saddle. Mm. Bad idea to let Adrian finish tightening your saddle. So Adrian does not adjust Cheyenne's saddle properly, clearly. This is like, obviously, she's doing this with sinister intentions. Because as soon as Cheyenne gets on her horse and starts riding, she falls off the horse. Yeah. And breaks her arm. Um, 
and and Adrian walks over to her and says something really psychotic. She's like, "Ooh, like, did you fall?" <laughs> <laughs> um, meanwhile, Nick is waiting for Cheyenne in the orchard, but she doesn't show. But guess who does show up? Adrian, and she confronts him, and she's like, "So now you like Cheyenne?" Yeah. And then and then she tells him, "Well, Cheyenne took a little spill." Yeah, at riding today, so. her saddle her saddle got loose. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> the next day, Adrian is just hanging out on the steps of Nick's guest house, reading a book. And Nick approaches with Amy, and they're bringing in groceries to his house. I guess they're gonna like grill up some portobello mushrooms or something. Mm. I just feel like that's something Amy would suggest. Yeah, because it was big then. It was 1993. You it know, tastes like steak. You know Amy was like, let's grill up some portobello mushrooms, mm. make a sun-dried tomato penne pasta. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Um, but Adrian intercepts them on the stairs, and she asks Amy, Amy, have you been to the lighthouse? Mm. It's really romantic. It's like this makeout spot. Nick took me. Yeah. Maybe he'll take you sometime. Obviously, you can see the steam coming out of Amy's, yeah. Amy's ears at this point. She's furious. Later, we see Nick the next day at a work meeting, and he's regaling his coworkers with the tales of interviewing Levansky. Finally, we get back to this plot line. Yes. We get back to this C plot or B plot, whatever it is. Mm. And he's like, oh, it was amazing. I, I got him. I, I had the story. It's going to be, it's great. I wrote this great story about this guy. But then his assistant pulls him aside and says, Nick, the file is blank. So his whole article that he wrote about it's gone. Lo- it's gone. And the interview. And the interview. So Nick, ru- well, I noticed, I thought it was the interview too, but he actually wrote the interview down. Oh, good. Longhand. Good. But the article itself that he wrote is gone. So Nick says, okay, I need, it's okay, I'll go home, I have another copy. So he tells the office, he's like, I'll be right back, I gotta go home. So right. he rushes home, he goes to his computer, and the computer's like, you have no files, they're all mm. gone. And he's like, oh my god, I have zero files on my computer, it's, it's gone. So Nick decides to retype the entire article, like right there, while he's supposed right. to be at work. Meanwhile, he calls Amy because he's panicked because he realizes he has to rewrite this entire article and rush back to work and give it to them. And he tells Amy, he's like, Adrian did this. Yeah. She deleted my files. I, I can't believe this. We, I, I need to rewrite this and then I'm moving out of here for good. Yeah. Like as soon as I do this. Then he notices the a floppy disk on the ground. And I really thought this floppy disk was going to be like, oh, I just misplaced it. Right. But it's not. It's just a floppy disk is like he sees something underneath the floppy disk and then he, he lifts up the rug where the floppy disk is and he notices there's a trap door, which I don't know why he wouldn't have noticed that when he first moved into the house, when he like laid yeah. the rug down in the first place. But he like suddenly is like, oh, there's like a trap mm. door under here. So he pulls open the trap door and he walks down and he sees like 30 candles that are lit. Yeah. Underneath, like in the basement of this guest house. Well, it's like the garage that's below his guest house. It's all wood though. I know. No, I'm saying why is this place not torched? Look, Adrian 
lights a lot of candles. She lights a lot of candles. And it's dangerous. Like every candle that she lights is a fire hazard. Well, because they're not like the ones we have today that are in jars. Right. They're all just exposed pillars pillars and yeah. They're all pillars and taper candles. And there's like 30 of them in this like basement underneath or garage underneath his his little apartment. Um, And what's worse besides all these like lit candles is she notices that there's a shrine dedicated to Nick. Yeah. That's crazy. So I assume he blew all those candles out because the next thing we see him is he's furiously nailing the trap door shut. Like that's going right. to stop anything. And then he retypes his article. While he's retyping his article, Adrian is frantically calling him. He's picking up and hanging oh, God, up yeah. immediately. He's puffing away at a cigar because <laughs> we learn like early in the movie that he like smokes a cigar sometimes. Yeah. So he's like sweating bullets puffing away at a cigar. She's leaving him voicemails. We also see him hire a locksmith. Like a locksmith comes to his house while he's finishing this article. I know. It's like, what's the time frame here? Okay. He must have been gone for like six hours. Yeah. Because then he just returns to the office as if he'd been gone for like 15 minutes. Found the article. (laughs) It's like the same day. Everyone's still there. And she leaves like a hundred and something messages. Yeah, because we keep seeing the number go up. Yeah, right? it's crazy. So he gives the article, he turns it in. Then, like I guess the next day, because I don't know how long all of that took. It has to be the next day. He's like looking at new apartments to move into. Later, we see him packing up the guest house. Amy comes over with a bottle of wine, I guess, to celebrate. And then Amy asks him if she wants to go to Michael's benefit. Michael's the boss, and. He's all like, oh, we work together. Yeah. It's like now he worries about what's appropriate. You know, it's worse than fucking <laughs> trying to have sex with an underage girl. Going to the benefit with your work, it's someone you work with. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he Nick has morals and standards he yeah. lives by. He's like, oh, I think this might send a weird message. That really crosses a line. This crosses the boundary <laughs> here. <laughs> so, but he ends up agreeing and they actually kiss, which is surprising because I just assumed if they're cooking penne pasta together and portobello mushrooms, they've already kissed. That's what I thought. I was like, wait, they are, they're still, they were friends? Yeah. This whole time I thought they were kind of dating and we just weren't seeing it, you know? Right. Later that night, Adrian is crying into a lit candle in her bedroom, again, with the candles. Do you think she was listening to them hump and crying? I think she was. So, because Amy and Nick are sleeping in the guest house, and later we see Adrian standing over the bed. Was that real? It might have been a dream, because then we see Nick go like, Yeah, (gasps) I couldn't tell if it was fake or real. I think it was like a nightmare he had. Um, But... He wakes, yeah, because he wakes up from this nightmare and he hears banging coming from outside. So he goes to investigate and he looks in the window of the big house and he sees Adrienne and she's hacking away at something in the kitchen <laughs> with like a cleaver. I don't know why he's like still going over there at this point. Especially if she's in there with a cleaver, I would not enter I, I'd that be like, space. Yeah, I'd be like, that's none of my business. No. So, but he says, what are you doing? And she goes... Making lemonade. Mm. Want some? This had extreme Joan Crawford cutting down the rose bushes energy. 
Totally. Like just waking up in the middle of the night, like what's going on? Right. This is not like a sane activity <clears throat> that you do. Especially when you say something sweet as pie. Making lemonade. Making lemonade. What, what would I be doing? Chocolate, hacking lemons with a cleaver. <laughs> Clearly like, I'm making lemonade. And how many lemons did she need to chop? How, who was who That's was not how for? you make lemonade. It's not how you make lemonade. The next morning, Adrian approaches Amy at her car as she's leaving Nick's house. And of course, Adrian, she's on her rollerblades and she goes, So, did you guys have sex? <laughs> and Amy has like had it with yeah. Adrian at this point. So she gives her a little speech and she's like, Look, honey, I know you're young and you have a crush on Nick. He's very cute. Yeah. But in a couple of years, you're going to like get a real boyfriend or whatever and yeah. you're going to forget all about this. Another sick burn is deployed by Adrian at this point. Amy has gotten burned, I mean, gotten owned (laughs) by Adrian twice in this movie. She goes, God, Amy, one day I hope I can grow up and be just as smart as you. Yeah, incredible. (laughs) But Amy does finally get her. She does get her. She says, Adrian, go play. Yeah. Next, we see Amy in her dark room developing prints. And she's like, you know, pouring chemicals into trays and shit. Yeah. And then we see a hand from outside lock her in. <laughs> and then they, the hand from outside also covers all the vents. Yes. They cover all the vents of this dark room. And then... We see this hand pour a bunch of bees <laughs> into the vents. They're like literally just holding the wasp nest up to the vent, and some of them start trickling in. But then they're literally like pouring them in. I mean, could, is that is that how it works? I don't know if this is how this works. I don't believe this. I don't believe this. I think this is something you think would be successful, and you'd be disastrously wrong. Right. I, I can imagine you have the hive in there and you lock her in there with the hive and then throw a rock at it or something. Like, but you can't pour bees <clears throat> through a vent and then make them go through and fly into the... You know what I mean? They have to take some action. Like, why didn't any of them sting her? Yeah, because it's not like a perfect match, like the vent opening to the hive. Like, right. Yeah. I don't know. So obviously Adrian is doing this and Amy is like swarmed by bees. There's bees everywhere. And she is panicking, trying to open the doors. It was tense. It was very tense. She can't open any of the doors because they're locked, obviously. She can't like open a vent because there's no air coming in. There's all those chemicals in there. This is a very scary situation. So finally, Amy breaks a window with one of the bottles in the room. And oh, it right. cracks. I don't know how she got out of there. No. So she must have just got stung like... 800 times. Nightmare. But who found her? How'd she get out? We don't need to know that. Well, Nick is on the phone with his boss at the guest house. He's getting some information from his boss, and Adrian comes over. And Michael, the boss, informs Nick that there's been an accident. Amy's in the hospital, and, and Adrian's like, oh... Oh, she okay? I hope I hope Amy's okay. Um, later, it's the horse competition. 
Adrian and Cheyenne are both there, but Cheyenne can't compete because she has a sad little cast on her arm yeah. in a sling. And Adrian's like, you know, hi, Cheyenne. And then she walks away. And, and she, as she's walking away, she says, aren't you going to tell me to break a leg? And Cheyenne goes, break them both. <laughs> I like Cheyenne. I like Cheyenne too. Adrian looks for Nick in the crowd, but he isn't there because mm. she invited him to her horse competition and he didn't show up. I mean, I wouldn't want to go. I wouldn't want to go if it was my Period. best friend. I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know. That sounds, what's it going to be like? Yeah. Um, so he's at Michael's benefit. It sucks because Amy can't go because she's in the hospital. Yeah, but he still shows up. But he shows up. Later, Adrian pulls up to the benefit in a cab, mm. and she's still in her riding clothes. Again, where presumably her parents were at this horse competition. And they're just like, oh, she left. Yeah. <laughs> well, back to work. Back to, <laughs> yeah, back to work for the president. Um, Adrian shows up at the benefit in her riding clothes while Michael the boss is giving a speech. So Adrian storms into the room, and she walks right up to Nick in the middle of this benefit. There's like a hundred people there. And she goes, hi, sweetheart. And then she kisses him on the cheek. If I was one of his coworkers and I just witnessed a teenage girl walk up to my other coworker and kiss them on the cheek, and I'd be like, what's going on there? Everyone's yeah. sort of like, who is this? She just busts in there. Nick is like, Adrian. Well, she's like a, like... She's like a few decibels above everyone else. Yes. Because it's pretty quiet, and she just walks in. So everyone can hear everything she says, it seems like, right? Yes. And like even though Michael is giving this speech, like everyone's sort of focusing on this like weird situation that's going on. So he's like, you need to get out of here right now. And, she's, and she immediately responds by slapping him hard across the face. Yeah. I oh, would, she wants to make a scene. I would be talking about that in the office with my friends for like three months. It would be the most exciting thing that had ever happened at work, right? <laughs> like, did you see Nick get did slapped at the benefit? With that child? Right. <laughs> well, what's going on there? The does riding anyone, crop? Does anyone have any information about that? I need to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> so then he drags, he makes it worse because he drags, oh, yeah. he drags her out violently by the arm and he pushes her up against a wall, and he's like, stay the fuck away from me. I mean, I can't blame him, because he was at his last... Oh, he's like, oh, I snapped. I get that he snapped. I'm just saying, from an outsider's perspective, if you saw this happening... and But here's the thing. I think if he quietly walked away from her, she would have been like, why are you walking away from me after you fucked me? <laughs> like, she would have said something, I think, that equally shut things down. Like, yes. Uh, so I don't know that he had a win in this situation. He was, like, I don't know the best way to get out of it unless he like was like, let's go, babe. Like, he, you know what I mean? Like maybe right. kind of done that. I mean, he was screwed either way. He was fucked. So she starts screaming and everyone can hear like they're they're like in a slightly different room, but everyone can hear her screaming. The, this is crazy. This is like so embarrassing for him. Um, later. I guess the next day, Nick goes over to Mrs. Tinkleman, Tinkerman's house. (laughs) Who picked this name? He goes over to Mrs. Tinkerman's house, and Mrs. Tinkerman is the woman that he has, like, 
decided to like she's gonna rent him a new place yeah this is like his new landlord she's gotta fix the shower first yeah she has to fix the shower but it's this like little red house that he's gonna move into and he's pounding on the door and he's like mrs tinkerman yeah i need to move in fast mrs tinkerman I feel like there's a scene they cut out here. Like, we saw him talking to her earlier, yeah. but we didn't see, like, why he, like, he didn't get a phone call from her, like, being like, I can't rent to you or whatever. Yeah. So, but um, she doesn't open the door. She opens that little, like, window in the door. That, little, that every landlady has. Yeah. Every landlady has that little, like, metal, tiny window gate. Yeah. She opens it and she goes, I don't rent to drug dealers. Well, now, I don't think she called him to tell him she can't rent to him. I think this is the first time he's finding out. But I it would agree. be nice to see, like, what Adrian is doing and how she had all this information about him. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, because she would know where he was. I just mean, how did he know to go over there and immediately start freaking out? I think he was like, I need to move in immediately. Like, I didn't think he was going there knowing that he wasn't getting the place. I thought he was going there to talk to her about moving well, why in was sooner. He, so, he was like, Mrs. Tingleman. Because he's uptight after that big incident at work. <laughs> I don't know. It was cra- That was my impression. I mean, he had already told her earlier, like, oh, I need to move in this week. Yeah. I just, I thought, I took it as a sense of urgency. Okay. Um, that, that makes was my sense. Take. But uh, this movie is definitely not um, clear or makes sense sometimes. So he, she's like, I don't rent to drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And she shuts the little tiny window um like the wizard of oz yeah and then he's still pounding on the door and then the door itself opens and this like guy the son the son walks out and he goes hey pal or whatever he says i'm gonna count to three one (laughs) One. and (laughs) nick is gone nick's gone because this guy's clearly bigger than him he's a meathead i honestly burst out laughing when (laughs) the son it was, like, it was hey. like he came from a different movie. Totally it's different. It's like, we're filming uh, about the docks down the street. <laughs> Let's just use that actor. It was like he came from a different movie in a different decade, like 1983. Yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> Nick pulls back up to the guest house, and to his horror, there's cops everywhere. Mm. It is crawling with cops. And they arrest him, and he's like, what, what am I being arrested for? And they're like, sexual assault of a minor. Hmm. He's like, oh. Ah, oh, shit. Shit. Adrian, he then sees Adrian, her mom, and the dad being ushered out of their house. Adrian has that little like blanket over her, and they're going to put her in the police car so she can go make a statement. And then Adrian's dad spies Nick, and he's like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. We were, we're bonded over her blossoming. This, this is too far. <laughs> yeah. This is too far. It was one thing to talk about her being hot, but you acted on it. <laughs> <laughs> and he tackles Nick. And Nick's yeah. like, get him off of me. Get him off of me. Um, so Adrian is at the hospital doing a rape kit and answering questions from police. And she's giving this like Oscar winning performance. You can see bruises on her face. There's a cut on her lip. And then we see Nick in this, the tiniest interrogation room I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It's small. Like it was very tiny and he's pleading his case to the detectives. Like he's actually, he's doing the thing in movies where I'm always mad when people don't do like they, he actually was doing the thing I want characters to do when they actually just explain the whole story. Yeah. 
like sometimes when they're like they only explain a part of it or they don't do you know what i'm talking yes. about i'm like oh at least he's like just saying the truth yeah. like what I happened he wasn't just like saying she's had a crush on me <laughs> like, like he was just telling them i mean he wasn't saying it in the most convincing way but he's trying to plead his case but then one of the detectives says we got a problem nick a big problem we found semen inside of her. I'm sorry. But before that, he said, did you ever place your penis inside her vagina? <laughs> I've never heard someone refer to it like that. But that's, you, you know that's how cops think of sex. Of course. <laughs> you stick your penis in a vagina. Like it made sense. Right. But it did, it, it did seem very unprofessional. It wasn't like, did you have sexual intercourse? Yeah, why? Because that was the setup. Did you put her your penis in her vagina? Right. Oh, well, then why did we find semen in her vagina? <laughs> from a penis. From a penis. Pe- semen comes from a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Nick. I, this cop was like having a revelation. He as just he- found out about how sex works. Right. He just found out. In this in- investigation. But he still thinks that pee is stored in the balls. Absolutely. But he he, he's trying to impress Nick with his information. He thinks the semen comes from the shaft of the penis. Oh, man. But I don't think he knows everything yet. No, he's learning. The very next scene, Nick is in the parking garage. I don't know how they didn't wait. Like- but it was this where he tells how he thinks she got the semen? Yes. Okay. So the very next scene, I think so. Oh, because his boss bailed him out. Oh, why? Okay. We don't know. See, we don't even know. The boss just shows up in a limousine. (laughs) In the parking garage. (laughs) And Nick is out. It looks like, this scene looks like they're about to do like a a hit or a drug deal. Right, because we're like, uh, technically you think he just raped a child and And he's getting in a limo now? Right. Like, I'm sorry, that seems like an un a thing you don't get bail for. <laughs> like, yeah, it just seemed very weird that he was suddenly the very next scene. He's like in in a limousine. Yeah, in the parking. Yeah, garage. it didn't. They didn't specify why. The only reason I knew the one guy was his lawyer is because I watch movies with subtitles on, and it said lawyer, and then the uh, line <laughs> of dialogue. <laughs> so he's in this limo with his lawyer and his boss, who I just learned right now is. The only the reason he's there is because he bailed him out, which yeah. still makes even less sense to me because why he's not close with this boss. He's no. never he just started working at this magazine. But you know what? He invited him to the barbecue. <laughs> so the boss feels that like they're friends. The boss feels like they're friends. <laughs> if, if if he see that was that was a foreshadowing. They set that up. Yeah. So the boss That's why the boss showed up. So it's like they're friends. Remember? He brought the wine and then they dunked on him <laughs> they for made 30 fun minutes. Of him. <laughs> he left with his tail between his legs. So Nick tells, is talking to the lawyer. He's like, I didn't do this. And the lawyer was like, Well, the semen matches your blood type. I was like, This is pre DNA. It wasn't though. But it's barely. It's barely it's DNA. It's barely. Because ni- if this was filmed in like 92. Yeah. It's kind of like on that border where it was just starting to pop up. OJ was, they used DNA in OJ, which yeah. was 94. Yeah. So I think it was like literally just starting to I happen. Just, obviously, it was in its infancy <clears throat> still. But maybe they also, because also getting the DNA profile takes a long time. Yeah. So I think they just did saw, like a preliminary match. Yeah. The preliminary match showed it was his blood type. Um, yeah, so they're like this, you know, the lawyer basically tells them like you just need to get out of town. 
don't contact her again. Yeah. And like, just get out of here. Um, Cheyenne then pops on over to Nick's house that night. But he also tells the lawyer that he thinks she got the semen from a condom. Oh, right. He's, he like, she went to his room and stole the one he fucked Amy with. Right. And came in. That's his, that's his theory on so how So then she, got she it. took the, con- let's just play it through. Okay. She took the condom from the um, wastebasket, waste basket, stuck her finger in there, <laughs> pulled some out and shoved it in her vagina. That is disgusting. Like, is that what happened? Or did she shove the whole condom in there? Oh, and like flip it at, over. Yeah, like so that flip it, it over, shove the condom in, uh, sort of jostle it around a little bit. But wouldn't they also see like Amy's DNA? I guess not because DNA was so well, shitty there's then. No, yeah, I, I think it's also, I, I would have loved to have seen that scene <laughs> where she takes the condom and what she does. It's like, at what point during that process do you think to yourself, what am I doing? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it is to touch... Like hours old semen on a condom, in a condom on it in the trash and putting it inside of yourself to like get a guy arrested like that is uh, I would never that's too much for me I'm I not feel, touching old semen I feel like it had to have caused some kind of infection or pH imbalance it seems really uh, disturbing it's disgusting <clears throat> so anyway later that night Nick is in his guest house and Cheyenne just pops over because apparently just like. Cheyenne just just buddy buddy with Nick now again teenagers just popping into houses and she also has no parents watching her yeah who are Cheyenne's parents where are they mm, they're she, hippies we know that right because she said that's because <laughs> her name's Cheyenne because her parents were hippies um so then she tells but she tells Nick she's like I believe you mm. I like she tells him about this camp counselor that Adrian had. Yeah, Rick. And his name was Rick, and Rick died mm. because he ate something poisonous. But they, she were, thinks, they were always suspicious. But they were always, she was always suspicious. She thought Adrian poisoned him. And Adrian knows things. Right. About she, science. Right. That's what she said. <laughs> Adrian knows things. And she's like, she knows, did she say she knows things about bees? She said, she knows things about. Mushroom. No, she she knows things about wasps too, and it's like she gave a knowing look, and that's when it's like, is that the first time Nick put two and two together <laughs> the about <Amy>? the wasps? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's normal that someone just gets Attacked? stung to death in their dark room by wasps? Right. <laughs> Come on, Nick. Like hundreds of them. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he wasn't there for that scene where they found the wasp nest. So maybe he didn't know there was a connection. Right. Um, so. But has Amy not woken up in the hospital she and said something? Up. Yeah, right. Because she would have been like, uh, we saw a wasp nest in the forest when I was looking for sticks. <laughs> like, Right. Or also like, uh, I didn't lock myself in. Yeah. It was manually locked from the. So it's weird that she hasn't, he doesn't know this yet. Yeah. So. Nick Cheyenne says there might be proof in a diary. Right. She says that yeah, she says Dar- Darian. Adrian has a diary and she writes everything down and it's like in the house. So later Nick hears piano music coming from the house and he rushes over there. Again, I get 
kind of like, oh, he wants to get that diary, but that's really a job for the detectives or his lawyer or whatever. Why is he going over to the house of the child he's accused of raping? Okay, first of all, Nick is there because that was the time allotted for him to get his stuff out while the family is gone. Yeah. So he's not even living there anymore. He's just there to get his stuff. Right. Uh, Cheyenne, now she has sneakily said, he's like, I'll walk you home. She's like, no, that's okay. I can do this. She's the one who goes in the house. Right. So he hears the music and sees the doors open and goes in and he's looking for Cheyenne, I think. Right. Assuming she might have gone in there, right? I just think it's insane. Like I get that he wants to like help Cheyenne, but oh, it, it I is would insane. not go in. It is insane that he's like, I've just been accused of assaulting this young girl. I'm just gonna go into her house at night. When I'm not even supposed to be here other than just getting my stuff and going. Like, yeah, from the guest house. Yeah. But he goes in gets in through the door and he's calling Cheyenne's name because he's like very worried about her. He walks upstairs and he goes again, another idiotic, incomprehensible move. He goes into the bedroom of the teenage girl that he's just been accused of raping. Yeah. And once again, there's a million candles. There's even more candles this time, lit yeah. candles. And this time inexplicably, they are all on her bed. I don't know. I didn't. I couldn't get a good enough look at like how were these candles propped up? This is again. This is an extreme fire hazard. That house is entirely made of wood, and that bedspread is very cheap. Probably a floral cheap from Spiegel catalog, <laughs> and it's very flammable. It's just like candles are sitting on there. They're just sitting. Pillar candles are on the bed, and there's like a hundred of them. There's so many candles, and again, there's another shrine dedicated to Nick, and this time the shrine consists of a naked Ken doll covered in bees. Oh, like not subtle. Not, not subtle. This is what you call art that's like... It's too on the nose. Really on the nose art. Then uh, he gets hit from behind. Yes. By a large stick that I think was a curtain rod. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what that was. It's Adrian. Surprise. She's back. She's back and she's hitting Nick over the back with the large curtain rod. They get into a fight near the staircase and then she throws him off like the balcony of the staircase. Yeah. And onto like this the a landing or something or onto like the first floor, I guess. He looks pretty fucked up. That yeah. seemed like a hard fall. It's gotta hurt. Um then the dad comes. This house must be huge because the dad comes home and like doesn't see Nick like sprawled out. No, when he's calling for his daughter, I don't know why the dad's home. It's pitch black. No one's turning any lights on in this house. Well, it's also weird because this is the first time the parents have ever gone after Adrian when she wandered off. Ever, yeah. Because normally, so clearly she left wherever they were, right? And he went after her. They were in like that's a hotel. never happened before. That they've parented her? They've never parented <laughs> this child. Um, even earlier, we didn't talk about, but even earlier after he she vandalized his car, when Nick confronted the parents oh, about right, it, right. they're like, well, she says she didn't do it. Yeah. I guess very she, gullible. Very, that's case closed. She said she didn't do it. So, so what, what else do can it. we do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Meanwhile, Nick manages to crawl up to the attic. I don't know how he does this with what seems like he has a broken back. And we're talking about that 
rickety staircase stair thing. It's not even a case. It's a ladder. It's a ladder it's a coming ladder. out of the ceiling. How does he get in the attic? Through that little hole. Why is he going to the attic? He's because he hears the music. After getting his shit rocked, yeah. he care still cares about finding Cheyenne. Poor Cheyenne. He, he's not just getting out of there. He's all bloodied from the fall. Oh, the dad isn't in the house yet. I'm sorry. The d- door is locked. Oh, he's trying to get he's into trying the house. He's trying to get into the house. So he, the dad has to bust down the front door. I don't know why he doesn't have keys. Or go around to the back. Why doesn't he have keys, Desi? But why doesn't he just go around to the backyard, too? Where everyone else goes in through the doors house. are wide open this back there. This is your house. Yeah. You have a mortgage. It's crazy. I mean, I get maybe forgetting your keys, but if you have your car keys, they're probably on the same thing. <laughs> he drove over to the house. Yeah. Uh, Nick is in the attic calling for Cheyenne. It's like really dark in this attic, but suddenly the carousel lights up and the music starts playing and then it starts spinning. And as it spins around, we see that Cheyenne is tied to one of the horses. She's bound and gagged. (laughs) She's bound and gagged on On the pole with a horse. You know, they were like, we're using this carousel again. You know what? We got this carousel. There's no way we're not using this one more time for the climactic scene. We did not. Sherry loaned us this carousel. We have it for one more day. Let's do it. We need. Just tie her up on the carousel. Why not? (laughs) Um. So Nick is trying to like free Cheyenne, but Adrian comes up from behind him because she's in the attic now apparently too, and she starts hitting Nick again, and they're having this huge fight on the carousel, so all these like sparks are flying. This again, a highly flammable situation. Yeah. This is really dangerous. And surprisingly, no fire happens in this movie. Zero fire in this movie. Because that would be a classic movie ending to something like this where everything goes up in flames. The house burns. And we down. never figure out what happened. That's a good ending. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that could have happened in this movie. Right, where he's just disgraced for the rest of Absolutely. his life and he's dead. And nothing is proven and all the proof is burned. That's a good ending. Mm, thank you. So, meanwhile, the dad is trying to get into the attic now. He busts in and immediately tackles Nick on the spinning carousel. Yeah, and he's it's like a brawl. And he's like choking Nick out. But mm. then Adrian comes up from behind her dad and starts hitting her dad. She's like, get off my boyfriend. Yeah, that's dad. My, dad, that's yeah. my boyfriend. I was just trying to kill. Adrian, um, like, then ambushes Nick. She manages to free Nick from her dad. Like the dad, like, is shoved off the carousel, and then Adrian ambushes Nick with the rod. But right before she makes contact with him, he punches her and she flies like <laughs> 10 feet in the air. Okay. I laughed so Me too. hard. Me too. <laughs> like, I'm just going to put this out here. I never think it's okay to hit a woman or a child. <laughs> but this was one of the funniest things I have ever seen. It must have felt great for Nick to punch her lights out. It was a cartoon level punch. That's why it was funny is because this was not a serious <clears throat> moment. This was absurd. Well, yeah, it wasn't like he just punched her and it was like, oh, Nick, like calm down. It was so absurd and over the top and impossible. She flew. This would never happen. She flew. She literally 
flew off the carousel and then like five more feet right. onto like an old mattress or something right, of course. In, the, in the attic. Because they're okay with her getting punched, but at least she had a soft landing. Also, the, like, I don't even know, special effects is not the right word, but there was some effect Emotion. used to make that her fly like that. Because it literally seems like she's on a track yeah, flying like like on a wire or something because it was so fast. <laughs> I can't explain it. I was I laughing so hard. I was like, this is one of the funniest I things it. I've ever fucking seen. I can't imagine how great it felt for Nick to punch her like that. <laughs> like It was absurd. So Ad- Adrian's like knocked out on the ground. Like, Ugh. he literally knocked her out with his punch. <laughs> so stupid. So the next scene, we see Adrian sitting in a mental hospital, like in the lobby or in some common room of a mental hospital, and she's writing a letter to Nick. Her blonde doctor approaches, and she's like doing the Adrian flirty thing with him. She's like, am I better? Hi. Hi. She's like doing a really breathy voice. Yeah. And like... Where you have your fa- face down, but you put your eyes looking up, like, okay. Mm. Thanks, doctor. Yeah. So then um, that scene happens. The very next scene, Amy, she's up and out of the hospital, and she's in a new house with Nick. And she says, Sleepyhead missed his morning meeting, which implies that Nick still has his job. How does he still have this job? I don't know. How has the boss been like, look, I don't know if you did it or not, but this is not, we don't need this. I mean, Michael's an unusual boss. I will give him credit for that. <laughs> he seems like he did. Because remember when Nick got hired, he's like, they told me you're awful. I don't care. I'm taking a chance on you because you do great research. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I think Michael is like, it doesn't matter. I don't play by the rules. Yeah. I don't care if you were accused of raping a child. You're, you're hired. You, you're on the yeah. team. So you punched her. Lights out. (laughs) This this is a family at this magazine. Yeah. We stick together. We stick together. She's in the mental institution now. (laughs) Clearly, you're innocent. The other magazines aren't going to pick up this story. No. And only you have the connection to this guy. To Levansky. Yeah. We need to keep that going. (laughs) So Nick gets a letter from Adrian, and he flips through the letters and realizes he's gotten multiple letters from her. I mean, it's like... 30 letters. If you didn't know Adrian had issues, you can tell because on Nick's name, she she dots her eyes with a heart. Yeah. That's the sign of a girl in trouble. <laughs> she yeah, every single Nick has a heart over it and it's like very curly lettering. Yeah. Over very young. like the address and everything. So the last scene we get is Back at the mental hospital where Adrian is now being locked in her cell and we see her sitting on her bed and she's staring at a framed photo of her doctor who is with his wife in this photo. Yeah. And she's staring lustfully at the doctor. And he's very Nick-esque. But not hot. He's like an uglier Nick because he's got blonde floppy hair. Right. He's like... The non-movie star version of Nick, right? Yeah, he's not. He's the not hot version of Nick. So this is a major downgrade. But it's all she has in the hospital. Yeah. Plus, he can like give her more pills if she and wants. And he also 
you know, he's in a position of power. That's right. probably very attractive to Adrian, yeah. like a daddy figure, right? I just think it's a major downgrade to go from Carrie Elwes, who arguably is one of the hottest blonde men. Oh, totally. And to go to this doctor. Especially from that time period. The doctor who looked more like Dave Coulier. Yeah, and she's like, huh, <sighs> what are you going to do? Right. I'm in an institution. That's probably the hottest guy she can get It's either there. this or the orderly who locked me in. Right. That's my choices. <laughs> like, right. The room was kind of nice, I have to say. Yeah. Because it had like a lot of light and it was sort of like this groovy. Oh, so here's why. So when they, they showed Nick and Amy in their apartment, they're like, oh, they moved to Seattle. That's why I thought they weren't in Seattle, but maybe they were like in a suburb of Washington or something. Did they say they moved to Seattle? Yeah, they but mo- maybe they moved into the city where they, they just worked have. to the city in the city. Because he still has the same job. Yeah, so, so that's why I was like, oh, where they moved to Seattle? Like, but maybe they lived in the outskirts or something. A, here's the thing about this kind of movie: I always want to know the fallout. Like, I always like I know it's not like it you know, ruins the whole vibe of whatever, but I always want like some kind of like epilogue. Like, yeah. What was it like for Nick following all of this chaos? Like, what was it like? I want to see scenes of him explaining it to his coworkers. I want to see scenes of him explaining it to the boss. I want to see the scene where her, where Adrian's parents realize, Oh, our daughter is fucked up. Yes. Like, how did that transition happen? Because all that really happened, like all that the dad really knows is that Nick punched his daughter's lights out. Like he snuck back into their house and punched his daughter's. Didn't prove- and he he probably doesn't know that Adrian hit him cuz he's it was from behind. Right. So he could he could have thought like when he wakes up, he won't even really know what happened necessarily if he blacked out. All he sees is the guy who's accused of assaulting his daughter has snuck back into his house. There's another teenage girl tied to the carousel. Nick could be a serial killer for all he knows. Because he's like, why? He's using my carousel. (laughs) This is uh, the carousel killer. I have no idea. Oh, my God. I'm going to write that movie, The Carousel Killer. That's fucking genius. The Carousel Killer. (laughs) Honestly... That's the, some one of Nick's coworkers is going to write that story in the magazine, the Carousel Killer. Yeah, yeah, and that's going to put that magazine on the map, absolutely, and that journalist. So uh, again, yeah. why we needed a lot more info? I just needed something. I needed something in this movie that let us know how the parents came to the conclusion and the police. How anyone came to the conclusion that Adrian was the villain in this situation. Well, maybe they did find the diary, right? Or or they had, they talked to Cheyenne. (sighs) I guess you would have to talk to Cheyenne. Because it is really like we cut from the carousel to her in the institution. And we're supposed to just fill in all the blanks. Now, this movie was only like 90 minutes. Right. So we easily could have had 15 more minutes of what happened in between. Yeah. Right? Or maybe it's like Nick's article. And we hear, like, we, you know what I mean? Like Like a voiceover? He writes like an in-depth 10,000 word article on what happened for him to him for the the magazine. Right. That's a huge hit. That would have been a good ending too. Yeah. And then we could hear some more of that stuff. Like it's a voiceover. 
after the carousel, the police showed up and age, like we just hear it and we kind of we get see, glimpses of it or something. And we see him on his IBM typing it. Yeah, with his cigar. And then he's also turning it into the office. Yeah. Like it's a whole montage. Yeah. And the boss is like, this is it. This is it. This is a hit. This is the st- This yeah. is better. Fuck Levansky. You this- finally learned how to write. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And Adrian then is reading it in, in the hospital. And she's fuming. Yeah. But she's also kind of turned on. But she's like, she uses it in her therapy sessions with the new doctor. <laughs> and she's rehabilitated like a few years later. And yeah. And she's like normal. Yeah. Yeah, does she ever get over it? Also, we never really find out why she's this way. I wanted it, I wanted it to be like a get out situation where they find all this evidence, like evidence in her room that she's done this before. There's been like not just Rick, but like dozens of guys. She's, yeah, she's done this too. Yeah, maybe she's the carousel killer. She's the carousel killer. I think. Uh, yeah, I would love to know more about her story. I don't really buy that. Just having no friends and moving up two grades would make you this. Right. There's got to be more, right? Yeah, there has so, to be more. I don't know. Anyway, I still love this movie. I yeah, think it's, it's great. It's ridiculous. It's kind of like... It's only 90 minutes, like I said. And a, I always find, I was like, those are movies I'm like, I'll watch that. 90 minutes is very easy to it's do. It's such a fast watch. It's very, it's very like easy to watch. It's definitely a good movie if you're sick or if you're... Don't want to think. Yeah. You just want some, like, po- it's a popcorn flick. Totally. Um, it's it's great. It's part of a genre of movie that doesn't really, we don't see a lot anymore. Where right. I, I was trying to explain this to Chris Tognati and Kevin in our baseball group chat. I don't know how we got on the topic of erotic thrillers, but we did, because that's, like, one of my favorite genres. And I was trying to explain to them, like, this type of, like, crime slash legal slash erotic thriller where it's not prestige. No. It's more of a mid-tier to low-tier movie that doesn't really exist anymore. It's the best type of movie because you can yeah. always get into it. Yes. You, you have no choice but to get into it. It drags you in. It's like a drug. Like yeah. you can't stop. It's like I was trying to explain. I was like, you know, it's, I was like, I feel like they ended after the year 2000. It's like we had Double Jeopardy and we had Sliver with Sharon Stone yeah. and like just all those kinds of movies and like Kiss the Girls where it's like they're not prestige. They're not winning any awards, but they're very digestible and very like gripping. Well, I think they had uh, like in the 80s, in the early 90s, maybe, there were some prestige versions of this. Of course. And then all of the aftermath was these mid-tier ones. Yes. That are equally as good in a different way. And you had some prestige ones in the 90s too, like Basic Instinct. Yeah, like the early 90s. Early I think. 90s, yeah. Yeah. And like are ones that are considered more like people respect. But even them. basic instinct is like a step below fatal attraction. Oh, of course. Do you know what I mean? It's like they kept getting a little bit less each time. Right. Because Glenn Close was nominated for an Oscar. Yes. And both of them were, I was think. Was Sharon Stone nominated? No, 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 no. Michael Douglas, too, I mean. Right. Like that was like a prestige movie, right. I think. Even though it was kind of trashy. Yeah, anyway, so I'm excited for next week because we're going to be talking about 
uh, obsessed, which is kind pretty like it's very similar, like in the same kind of vein, like what we're talking about. But that one did come out in the two thousands and didn't do well. It did not do well. I did see it in the theater, and I did really enjoy it. Right. And I think they should bring this type of movie back. That's what I'm saying. I they don't, need like 10 a year. Yeah. I don't need it to be like highbrow. I, it's just something that's very entertaining. It's almost like that type of movie moved over to television, I think. Yeah. Like the Lifetime movies and stuff, uh, for sure. But yeah. yeah, I agree. Anyway, thanks for joining us for this first episode. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.